Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea, the Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Bear Crop Science, science for a better life. Mike O'Shea is to my left. I'm viewing the Zip Whip screen, which uh, relays the text questions to me. You can call at 780-6868. And one of our listeners slash sponsors brought some fresh strawberries down here to the radio station today, and there were still some left over when I came in. And Mike and I have been sampling them, and oh, are they good or what? You shouldn't have said that. Oh, My wife is going to be giving me trouble for not bringing any home. <laughs> Well, there's still a few left back there. Maybe no, there we can salvage them. There isn't before. any Bob. Oh, no? No. Okay. Well, anyway, on to football. These strawberries are really good in Manitoba in the summer. Uh, your team was really good in Ottawa the other night, 29-14. Uh, your second play from scrimmage, an 82-yard Nichols to Dembski touchdown pass. When you get something like that early, do you, do you say to yourself, hmm, this might be our night here? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, I suspected you didn't, but I thought I'd ask. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's good. It's a uh, it was well designed, well executed, good timing, and and you know it's almost because it happens so early. You just you know to me, you just go on at zero zero, knowing you got a buffer. <laughs> I don't know how you think about it. It just happens so quick. It's it's nice to get on the board and and get them behind early. Uh, but uh, there's so much game left. Well, your offense really had some some nice rhythm. I think the best you've had this year, would you say? Yeah, I thought they played a, a, a pretty darn good game. I thought all three phases played well. So, um, you know, it seemed like less mistakes. seemed like, you know, as we went through the game, more, you know, comments on my page, nice play, nice play, nice play, nice block, nice catch, nice, mm-hmm. you know, so it seemed like there was... Um, a high level of execution, always good effort, good physicality, um, and a win. One of the things we've talked about since the opening training camp, and I think we've talked about it every week, is your your three interior players on the offensive line, Michael Couture, Cody Speller, and Jeff Gray, the three young Canadians manning the center and guard spots. Uh, it seems like they're doing just fine. Tell me about them and their progress. Well, there's there's always uh, you know points in the game where they'd like to have some plays back, but from from day one we knew that those three guys would would battle, and um, if there happened to be uh, an error, like they're all smart guys too, and they put in a lot of work to make sure that they're that they're uh, in their playbook and and know exactly what's going on. And Michael Couture's got a pretty heavy duty making all the calls and and putting the other linemen in the right spots or you know with the right blocks. Um, but you know, having said all that, if, if it wasn't going to go well, and we've said this, I think I've said it every time on the air, if it was, if there's a play that wasn't going to go well, you at least knew these guys were going to scrap and battle and claw and fight and kick and punch and everything they could do to make the play right and better, which is, um, a good thing. And it's a good foundation. It's a foundation that, you know, guys like, like Goose and Sook left, uh, behind, so to, for those guys to pick up, knowing that they're our type of guys, um, and they have all these other attributes, it, there's a good possibility that it was going to work out well. So um, they're still learning, they're still getting better, uh, and they, um, 
you know, they really want to. One of the things I've noticed about Jeff Gray in, in watching the games back is he plays to the whistle. Yeah, he plays hard. There's, It's interesting because Jamarcus Hardrick is the guy who, you know, controls a lot of tempo, a lot of pace at practice. He'll run by defenders, challenging them to keep up with him as he runs down the field. He puts a lot of miles on in practice, every practice, and carries a lot of energy throughout the entire practice. And then along comes Jeff Gray, who uh, is running all over too. And game day is interesting. He chases that ball all over the field, and he'll block right to the whistle. And he has a, a unique ability to just turn that switch off. As soon as it gets, the whistle goes, and the echo of the whistle sort of fades. He's finished his block, and if somebody wants to stand up and, and jaw jack or push him back or whatever, he has takes no offense to that. He just, oh, okay, goes back to the huddle and gets ready for the next play. Kind of discipline you love, eh? Uh, it's it's really neat to see. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the text. We've got a ton of text questions here. This is from David. Hi, Mike. Uh, congrats on 3-0. and Just wondering about your decision to challenge on the fumble uh, scoop and score by Ottawa when all the turnovers and scoring plays are reviewed. Yeah, I addressed this after the game. It's, uh, it is a risk, obviously, uh, but the play was a big play, a huge play against us. Um, and the fact is that uh, with the, um, you know, sitting on the rules committee and going through all those meetings and understanding how the command center works, you realize that this year they were going to um, really work hard to watch the replays they had, watch them in regular speed, not slow motion. And if it's not clear and obvious to them, just continue. Now, one of those aspects is the fact that at a certain point in time, they might not have all the replays. So by challenging, um, it may give them another opportunity to see another angle. To see something they hadn't seen already on the review. Yeah, that's quite possible that that's going to happen that way. Um, You know, I talked to the league again today, as I do every week about, you know, plays I see in our game calls, penalties that were called, not called, all those things. You you present a a sort of a cut-up clip um, of film to review with with the league. And there's always debate and there's always uh, interesting plays that happen. I probably mm-hmm. should have challenged the uh, uh, incomplete pass that that uh, was called when um, Willie came around the edge and, and hit the arm is what it looked like, but he probably got the ball. I think I would have won that challenge if I had challenged that as a fumble. You mentioned Willie, Willie Jefferson. We're talking on our post-game show about stat lines and how they can be misleading. Willie Jefferson had one stat line, a sack. But he was much more than that the other night, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he created a lot of pressure, too. They don't track pressures anymore. They should, you know. Well, it was just, I think they found it was too arbitrary, depending on the Subjective, stats crew. yeah. yeah. Um, depending on the, strat, the stats crew that was in the in-house at that point. So mm-hmm. they spent a lot of time correcting things and trying to get a standard, which wasn't gonna, they weren't going to arrive at. So yeah. Willie Jefferson is extremely active. And, um, yeah, he's good out there. He's fun to watch, for sure. And I'm glad they got this right on the stats. Uh, there, there was a sack that Craig Rowe and Jake Thomas were both in on, but it was Thomas who made the initial contact with the quarterback, and he did, and the stats get credit for the sack. Justice was served. Well, it's interesting. Our our stats lines are different than another league 
Um, you can get half sacks and half tackles and all assisted mm. tackles. And, and in the CFL, if you're the guy who grabs them first, you're the guy who's getting the stat, no one else. So as I've said before, you're not finding guys with 160 tackles, you know, in 18 games, whereas in other leagues, you'll get that yeah. because if you're, if you're in on one, you're, you get a, a piece of it. Right. So, uh, those are, those stats are hard to come by. Well, Jake Thomas, I don't think gets enough credit. So whenever he gets a, a stat, he deserves it. Well, and this is the interesting thing also, you know, we've talked about this a lot um, over the course of time in football. The play doesn't necessarily result in a in a tick on a page, you know, on a stat line. Yeah. And Jake Thomas makes a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the everybody around him, everybody that's been around Jake and played with him understands that he's responsible, as a lot of the interior guys are, for making a lot of plays and somebody else scoops up the stat line. While we're on that theme, uh, rookie defensive tackle Stephen Richardson got credit for two tackles, but as I rewatched the game today, boy, I saw him in the middle of things more than twice. He was a beast. Yeah, he really was. Yeah, I, I said to him today, I, I don't know that the CFL has seen a guy like you since uh, Jerome Haywood. Mm-hmm. You know, who played here. Yes, um, short and powerful. Yeah, well, Stephen is very wide, very powerful. And I think what's different about him is he is, I, th- when I watch him, he's highly skilled as a pass rusher. He, he gets his hands moving and in and out, um, rips in and out and, and gets by guys in a hurry. So it's, uh, once again, I don't know that they result in a pile of stats for the interior guys, but everybody around them knows that the plays are made with those guys. Uh, here's a text. Hi, Bob and Coach. If Matt Nichols can't go against the Argos, and I think we found out today that he can, who would be your third quarterback? This is jo- from Jordan. No third. You'd go with two. Go with two. Okay. Matt's uh, good, though. Yeah, he's good to go. All right. Um, David has one before we break. Mike, it must make you very proud to know that Mike Miller has the potential to be the CFL's all-time special teams tackles leader if he keeps playing the way he is between now and the next few seasons. For those who somehow missed it, Mike Miller had seven special teams tackles in Ottawa. Yep, tied for the league record with some extremely talented special teamers. Um, Yeah, he's... I am proud. (laughs) And he will get that record, and, um, you know, it will be for the Bombers. And he caught a pass for 14 yards. Yeah, we got to find a way to give him the ball more. (laughs) We'll come back at 780-6868. The Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, welcome back at 780-6868. Phone or text. You can talk to Mike O'Shea, the head coach of the 3-0 Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who hosts the Argos on Friday night. Gail, you're on with the coach. Go ahead. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, congrats on the win to everyone. Um Two comments. Didn't know uh, Justin Medlock had those feet. Wow, can that kid run? Um, That was a great play that he did. Kind of saved the ball there. Second comment is uh, was nice to see the defense uh, take up the charge without Adam Big Hill. I was really impressed. Yeah, I agree on both accounts. Amazing play by by Medi. Like I said, they don't happen very often. Uh, you know, 
I, I think maybe once or twice a year you'll see something like that, but that was uh, it was right on time. It certainly, I thought was the turning point in the game. It, it um, provided a huge spark, you know, when we needed it. Guys were pretty fired up, and when a guy like that does that, it really does lift the team. And then um, the defense, sure, it's uh, you know for Biggie being out, it just it really does crush guys when they're when they're hurt and aren't able to play. Um, but it's important that they realize that that's what their teammates are for, you know, to pick up the slack. And guys take pride in that. Uh, they want to go in and they want to do well, um, not just for themselves. I mean, that's a part of it, I guess. But there's they want to do well and make sure that they're um, picking up that slack and performing for the guys that can't. Well, um, good luck coming up on Friday. I've got my fingers crossed. I don't want you to lose to them. <laughs> Thanks, Gail. Have a good one. Thank you, Gail. Thanks for the call, Gail. Um, we chatted with Justin Medlock today, and he, I guess after the game, I didn't, we didn't have him on our post-game show, but I guess he was a little cranky after the game because he missed two field goals. Um, and he didn't have a lot to say about the play he made where he hustled down and recovered his own punt. But uh, as you said on our post-game show, that's early in the fourth quarter. Ottawa's just got life from a couple of turnovers. They're down only by eight points. That was huge. Yep. I, I used the word massive after the game. I think you did. I did. Yeah. It's it's important, right? What it does to the bench, you know, it's so uplifting mm. for the guys. They just it it provides such a. Um, I don't just want to say common words, you know. It's 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 more than a spark, you know. It's like a funny. He was brushing bolt, you know. He was brushing off the the congratulations from all the players because it was he was still burning over the two field yeah, he's goals. Got a, he yeah, you got to. He's you know he's a very focused guy. He, that would that would burn him and uh, professional though, right? He's he's got a he's got his methods that he would use to move on from that to be able to pick the kick the game winner if we needed it. So that kick that he made that he recovered. And he was only able to recover it because of the way he can. Well, Langford, of course, misplayed it. But th- th- what he does with those kicks is I've never seen anything like that before in this league. I forget what he calls that one, the sidewinder or yeah, the, the Aussie cool. or whatever the heck. I want to name it. I want to yeah. name it. But that kick, that, that worked out brilliantly. Now, that's what he planned to do, and it always doesn't come off. But that, that was a brilliant kick. Yeah, once the ball bounces, you know, there's some chance to it. But it's amazing how skilled he is and when he sees the ball hit the ground he can tell you what it's going to do or pretty close he knows when he's got a good one um as it flies and as it hits you know before it even settles he knows that there's a that it's that he's hit a good one or not right they know they don't have to even see it they can tell how it comes off their foot sometimes Mm -hmm. um you know i don't even know if they have to look at a field goal they know when it comes off their foot without looking up what it's going to do. He is truly the mad scientist of kickers, isn't he? Of punters in particular. Well, it's important that they keep developing their skill and have as many kicks in their bag. I mean, he's a golfer, right? It's a simple mm-hmm. golf analogy. You want to have all these different clubs to use. Yeah. Yeah, but I, have you seen a kicker in this league kick those those sort of sideways end-over-end uh, kicks nope. the way he I've never seen nope. a kicker do that. Nope. It's unique. It's totally unique what he does. Yeah. I think with a, as a kicker, you got a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that might but come he, up. He uses it well. Yeah. Uh, Adam Bighill, we didn't talk about him. He, I saw him at practice today. He didn't practice, but he was doing a little bit of running. What would his status be for Friday at this point? 
I think he's going to play. We'll see. And the other part of this question, the, uh, the uh, texter asked about Adam Big Hill. He also said, do you have to remind the players there's no free games? And you know what he's getting at. Um, n- not this group. I mean, we we talk about sticking to a process and, and um, what's important every week. And most of it's not the opponent. Most of it's about what we do on a weekly basis and, and keeping real steady in that approach um, to each and every game so that one game isn't bigger or one game isn't smaller than the next one, right? You want them to be all the same and, and you want the players to have an, a very even keel and a, and a very consistent approach because that hopefully provides um, the foundation for consistent play. Yeah, so we've gone over this before. You don't call the players together at some point this week and say, wag your finger and say, don't you take these Argos lightly. No, but I'll talk about sticking to the the routine for sure. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. 780-6868. Lloyd and other callers, we ask you to be patient and hang on. We'll be back with the Coaches Show with Michael Shea on 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680-CJOB. And let's go right to the phone lines. Lloyd, you're on with Coach O'Shea. Go ahead. Yes, two questions. Um, Lucky Whitehead, I was at the game last week, and of course he electrified us all with those great catches and runs. But he didn't uh, do much in the, the last game. Was that because they were targeting him, or were we deliberately trying to diversify our pass catching to Adams, and that was great to see that he was in it. Second question, um, do we have an, uh, another running back who, if Harris got injured or who can spell him off like we had with Flanders a couple of years ago, all the league is going to very fast running backs, and while I love Harris, it's good sometimes to be able to put in a, somebody else as a, you know, as a foil. So just those two questions. Okay, Lloyd. Um, I'll answer the second one first. Uh, Johnny Augustine uh, is on the roster and would uh, fill in um, if something were happening to Andrew. Uh, He's a strong, powerful kid and a good football player. Nick Dembski obviously can carry the football too from that, from the tailback spot. Um, There's, there's lots of options. And I'll say this, you know, People always suggest getting a, a fast guy, and I think Charles Roberts always comes to mind here, a guy that can make people miss in a phone booth and a different skill set. And I prefer my Andrew Harris-type guys. Well, I sure not. I don't have nothing against Harris. I love watching him, but sometimes it's good to be able to put in another guy just for a change of pace. But I understand. As to the other question, I'll just let you Yeah, get lucky Whitehead. You know, it's interesting, game, to, game in and game out, and you'll see this on other teams too where – uh, a guy has a hundred yard. Look at Wally. Uh, Wally had two touchdowns the first game, and and then one catch or one target the next game, right? So, the play call is the play call, and then the defense comes up, and you know it sort of partially dictates or dictates sure. where the ball is going to go. Well, I'm not so sure. It's you know away. I don't. Sometimes that may be it. Sometimes it may be. Um, you know other things, right? That well, that affect. We have so many good receivers because there's so many options. Yeah, now, it'd be nice to get. It'd be nice to get a, a game where you get the ball spread around sure. and each guy has got seventy or hundred yards. That would be a hell of a big game. So, is Matthews going to be available for Friday, or don't you know yet? 
Uh, he'll be out for this Friday. Well, he won't be playing. Yeah, Chris Matthews? No, I said that today. He, oh, okay. He's got to miss a week. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you. Yep. you so, yeah, you guys had 300 yards passing the other night, um, and you had eight different players catch a pass. So that's the kind of, I guess, diversity you love to see in your offense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, then, and spread the ball around, you know, it certainly makes it more difficult for the for the uh, defense. Here's an age-old argument, and I know you've heard this before many times, Mike O'Shea, you're on the rules committee, and the texture says, why would the CFL allow a single point on missed field goals? Only sport in the world that allows a point for missing or an unsuccessful play. This is a debate that's raged for years in the CFL. Well, the rouge is, you know, I think woven into the fabric of the CFL and in Canada. And it's not rewarding a failure in a missed field goal. It's rewarding a gain of field position because football is ultimately a turf war like rugby, uh, all those types of sports, you're trying to gain ground. And if you gain enough ground, you get an opportunity to kick and you're being rewarded for the gaining of yardage. Yeah, I'm with you on the Rouge. I love the Rouge. I hope it's love never it. taken out, but it's been talked about over the years. It's talked about every year in the Rules yeah. Committee, and there were several years where it'd be brought up as probably the one of the first items on the agenda just so we could all laugh and say next. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Congrats on 3-0. and was at the game, and every time Nichols rushed, I thought he would get injured. We all know what happened. Normally, Matt stays in the pocket. I know you don't like discussing game prep. Did you or Lapo see something in the Ottawa defense? So he's suggesting that Nichols did a lot of running. Well, I think he, he ran that quarterback draw, but I didn't see him run very much other than I that. I mean, it's part of the game. I think if I were to look back over time, if you can get a couple drives extended, you know, from the legs of your quarterback, you stand a better chance of staying on the field and winning. So... Um, There'll certainly be times where he's gonna have to pull the pull the ball down and get the first down, and uh, you know I fully trust him when he does that. And we talk about him getting hurt on that play, but that quarterback draw worked brilliantly, didn't it? That was a great play. Yeah, um, it was a good timely call. Yep. Um, another texter wondering about Sean McGuire being—he's been Medlock's holder all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been nobody else holding for him. Uh, great win in Ottawa. Congrats. So Harris fumbles at a key time in the Edmonton game, and then Nelson fumbles, which leads to a touchdown against Ottawa. Question, from a coaching perspective, do you respond differently to each player based on who they are or their experience in the league or another factor, or do you respond the same way after the game is over? If differently, please elaborate. Jason from Drumheller. Jason from Drumheller. No, same way. Um, you know, what's... What's important is to actually look at the film and and see if there's any, um, you know, technical uh, concepts you can correct on how they carry the ball or what what's that you know what's happening. And um, I thought the one uh, this last game was just he hadn't really seeded the ball yet, and it was a good hit in the right spot. You know, so um, none of these guys want to fumble the ball and I think you know it's they get treated fairly like professionals and you know they we try to offer coaching so that we can correct it yeah yeah
But it's not like when a guy fumbles, you take him out to the schoolyard. You know, if there's a technical thing, fine, you talk about that. But otherwise, hey, stuff happens. Yeah, they're going to look at themselves too and, yeah. and, and see what they can do better. Let's and they're going to work on it in practice. Sure. Let's go back to the phone lines. Tony, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea, brought to you by Bear Crop Science, Science for a Better Life. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, hey there. I'm an American out in the United States, uh, Rhode Island exactly. And um, the game Toronto-BC, you were talking about the Rouge there. Why did not Toronto put both Medeiros and Brown there, two kickers in the end zone, try to catch the ball inbounds and just boot it out? I know Rainey, I listened to it on the game. I'm legally blind, so I listened to the games only. But they said he caught it out of bounds. But if the kickers were inbounds in the end zone and both of them caught it or one of them caught it, could kick it out and the game would have gone to overtime. That's true. I'll let Mike uh, speak to that. For Rhode Island, you know your rules. I like it. Yeah, um, I know. I've been a CFL fan for 32 years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's as I said to a bunch of our guys, there. there's probably 10 or 15 different ways to play any of those scenarios. You know, they, um, they all present unique challenges. Uh, and I think he had an opportunity to catch it. It just... His momentum, he stepped back one more step and stepped on the line and just on the line, really, um, which is unfortunate. Other teams will do those situations where they will put a kicker back there to to kick it out. Um, and it just depends on what planning the team has done. I, I'm not going to pretend to say I know uh, what they plan because I'm not in their locker room. But uh, we would have a, a few different ways to defend that. Oh, okay. I think I... My personal thing, I would have put both kickers out there and both one of you guys catch it and kick it out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the kick-out play, and it's... Yeah. We've yeah. seen that many times Tony over coach, the years. Yeah. Hey, Tony, Tony, can I ask yeah. you a question? Sure. How does a guy from Rhode Island get interested in the CFL, and why would he be listening to a Winnipeg coaches show on a Monday night? Well, um, 32 years ago, in 1987, the NFL had its second strike in five years. And I said, all these millionaires and billionaires fighting over money. And I went to a game out in Exhibition Stadium in Toronto and went to one. And over the last 32 years, every year I go to a game somewhere in the in the league. However, my eyesight is diminishing quite a bit. So um, I've had to cut back on my travels, but I still use my Alexa machine and I listen into a lot of games. Yeah. Well, good. I appreciate it. Good. To, good. Oh, I've been to Winnipeg about 10 times. All right, cool. Good to have you with us tonight. Thanks, Tony. Yep. Thanks, Tony. Yep. All right, we'll come back. 780-6868, The Coach Show with Mike O'Shea, 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The show is brought to you by Bear Crop Science, science for a better life. Uh, here's a text from Michael. Coach, congrats on the win. Kudos to Medlock for his spectacular punt recovery. Also impressed by the nearly 2-1 to time of possession ratio. It was about 39 minutes to 21. What's your take on Ottawa's successful fake punt in the first quarter? Was it simply a well-executed play, or was there a breakdown in defending it? Well, they got us. You know, they uh, we put out our what would be more of our defensive line lineup so we had Willie Jefferson and and Jackson Jeffcoat in there with a bunch of other defenders that normally play punt return too so a bunch of linebacker body types and and defensive backs and and they needed a yard and a half and they kept their old line in and um yeah you know it's one of those things they uh 
sort of checkmated us a little bit on a substitution. And if you keep your full defense in and they punt it and uh, they probably get you in the field position battle there because your return might be limited. Mm -hmm. um, so we put the guys out that, you know, we'd fortify more of a defensive look in that, in that, uh, in that time frame. But uh, they managed to get us. Now, you know, Tiedrick Hansen made a real nice tackle and Derek Jones came in and sort of cleaned it up. And I think they just got it, you know, probably by about a foot or a foot and a half. So um, tough one to take, but uh, they got us. You mentioned Tiedrick Hansen. He's your global player. He's from Germany. How's he doing? Well, he made a real nice tackle on that play. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing well. Um, he is very strong. Uh, stout. He doesn't get pushed around. He does a lot of pushing around of other people. Um, and, you know, he's uh, quite coachable. You know, he really wants to learn. He, he'll take any information you give him and put it into a drill on his own and try and get better at it. And, mm -hmm. You know, he's been rushing the passer off the edge a little bit more in practice and uh, he's just, he's just taking it all in, but that's a guy that can play. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the season is long here, um, it, certainly longer than it was in Germany, and we talk about CIS players when they come up after playing eight games. Uh, it's, it's a real challenge as the year goes along. Do you think Hansen knows what he's in for in that regard? I don't think anybody does. Unless they've done it, yeah. Yeah, but he's not, he's not young. He's not a fresh-out-of-college guy either, right? right? He's right. 25 or 26 or whatever he is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's a grown man, and um, this is what he loves to do and he's he's playing at this the highest level right so i mean it's i think it's pretty exciting for him um it's going to be a grind for everybody because we're going on a 11 or how many games we have in a row here because mm -hmm. uh, we had the early buy so um you know it's gonna it's gonna wear on everybody not just uh guys fresh out of college there's a text question is the defense going to play tighter to cut down on the yak Yards. I don't know. That, are you concerned about the yak yards you're giving up? Uh, no. <laughs> there aren't a lot of them, are there? Well, no, this you know, Ottawa has a good offense, and we held them to 234 total yards. So, well, I could look up the yak yard stat here in a second if you give it. Give me a second. Well, I can. I mean, from the game the other night, there weren't a lot of yak yards. Uh, uh, by the Red they Bucks. had 20, 39, uh, 42. Uh, 50, 50 yak yards. Is that a lot? Uh, like Dominique Rimes, they're basically their number one receiver or has been their number one receiver, was targeted eight times. He had six catches for 58 yards and eight yak yards. Mm -hmm. So of the 58 yards, eight of them were after the catch. Uh, R.J. Harris was targeted 10 times, had six catches for 87 yards, and he had 19 yak yards of the 87. So... You think they're going to get some yards after they catch the ball, but uh, holding them to 50 is, I think, it's pretty good. One of the more interesting stats about your team after three games is that your defense now, and I, I think I've got this right, I might be one uh, possession out, but your defense hasn't allowed a touchdown in the last 34 opposition possessions. So 34 times the opposition has had the ball on offense. And they have not in a roll, and have not scored a touchdown. I don't know what any sort of record. It, I, I, 
bet the league doesn't keep track of that. But when you think about that. I bet that, you Steve Daniel does. Maybe he does. Right? <laughs> Check with Steve. When you think about that, though, how impressed are you with that? Uh, it's, it's pretty neat, but I'm more worried about the next one. Not worried. I'm more interested in the next one. Not worried. I'm interested to see the next one. Yeah. As these guys are. I mean, once you, once you stop them, you're moving on. You know, you're not high-fiving each other for too long before you go, okay, we're back on the field. Let's ramp it up again. Um, 34 is a lot. That's a lot yeah, of times to send I, your defense on the field yeah. and not give up a touchdown. They've been playing well. Yeah. Yeah. Take nothing away from them. They've been playing really well. To have give up one offensive touchdown in three games, spectacular. I'm, I'm sure our guys are, are, they want the next one. I won't uh, ask you what worries you about the Argos because you don't worry about things, but uh, what concerns do you have, Ray, the Argos? Um, none, you know, like you said, they're, they're, uh, a team that's getting better. I think McLeod Bethel Thompson in the huddle, uh, will give them a different look on offense. I think their defense, uh, as Lapo and, and all the guys were talking today, I think their defense has improved. And Corey Chamberlain said that they've improved every week. Um, I thought they had a real opportunity to beat BC except for a few miscues, you know, some miscommunication. They mm-hmm. they had an opportunity to beat what I think is a decent football team in, in BC, led by, you know, uh, high-end quarterback, you know. So uh, they had their opportunities for sure. So um, it should be good. I'm excited for the opportunity. Let's end the show on this note. I asked you about Chad Rempel on our post-game show Friday night in Ottawa. A guy whose name is hardly ever mentioned. I mention it on the broadcast when there's a punt or a field goal. I'll often say Rempel sends it back, but sometimes I won't. The long snapper, uh, players that are taken for granted in football, not by coaches. I'm just talking about the, the general public. The long snapper would be near the top of the list. He played his 200th game the other night in Ottawa. What does that tell you about Chad Rempel? Well, what you don't, what you're not saying, he's a self-taught long snapper, and that's amazing that he's at the top of the game. He is, he is the best long snapper in the league. Um, takes his craft very seriously, and he basically learned it on his own. Um, created a, a spot for himself when the the position of receiver was maybe closing for him, and uh, I just have so much respect for that and for for him. He's He's an amazing guy. I like he's, I like being around him. He's a he's a integral part of our team. He's a necessity on any team, not just the long snapping. I'm talking about him and his his character and his personality. Um, so, I mean, boy, he's just comforting to have around in terms of his his level of excellence. Chad Rempel, 200 games in the Canadian Football League. That's impressive, regardless of what position you play. All right, the Argos are here Friday, 7.30, to play the Blue Bombers, who look to go 4-0. You know you're 3-0, eh, Michael Shane? Do you know you're 3-0? We'll be back next Monday with another edition of the Coach Show with Michael Shea on 680 CGOB.